Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to The Basement Binge, or welcome to The Basement Binge, if this is your first episode. I'm very excited that you're here because this is the first episode of the James Bond week here at The Basement Binge, which I'm extremely excited about. No Time to Die has been a film that I've been looking forward to for years now (laughs) Uh, that's been delayed and delayed and delayed, and it's finally here. It's finally in theaters. I already got my ticket. I'm stoked to go see it and have an episode released on it at the end of this week. So this week, James Bond week, we're going to be reviewing one of Daniel Craig's films as James Bond each day leading up to No Time to Die. It's been a while since we've had a good binge here at the Basement Binge, so I'm excited to be doing that again. And I'm excited that we're doing it with James Bond. Because it is so many episodes that I am releasing in a short amount of time, these are going to be shorter episodes, not all of your segments, just because I don't have the time to write out an episode that long, but also do the research that I normally do into that. So the segments you're going to get is two cents. We always start with two cents. Pick your poison, which is a rating scale here at the Basin Binge. Least and likes, which is favorite scene, least favorite scene. And then finish up with live up talking about my expectations for the film and if it lived up to them. So super exciting. But to keep the episode short, let's just jump into the first segment here. Two cents. Again, two cents is totally spoiler free. So if you haven't seen this film, Feel free to stick around. So let's talk about Casino Royale. Of all films that deserve the description of a gritty reboot, this is one of those that is forever going to be stuck in my mind. I've been seeing it everywhere on the articles online about the comments that Daniel Craig has made about how he originally turned down the role of James Bond because he thought they had really fallen into a formula that he wasn't a fan of and then he read the script and he agreed and so the script is what changed his mind and you can understand why seeing the film i had not seen this film before in fact skyfall is the only james bond movie i've ever seen previous to this i know james bond as a character and i've seen tons of scenes and clips from the other films and so i understand uh James Bond. And it also helps me understand the intensity and grittiness that this new film has. This script is just intense. I mean, I was sweating during a poker game. I don't even understand poker. But on top of that, the film is just fantastic in that it will makes everything new in the way that it is gritty, but it's also new. James Bond here is a character and not just a caricature. There is emotion and weight, personal interest. We see the personal struggle. We see the personal struggle of being a government killer and how that affects James Bond. But he's also still Bond. He has swagger and arrogance. He's self-assured and a little reckless. But he's all there's also the grittiness here in the way that he's brutal and an absolute brawler. He pounds through drywalls and chases people down, cool as a cucumber, always knowing exactly what he needs to do. He's calculated through the entire 
thing. And so much of this is brought out through Daniel Craig and his fantastic performance. He just moves through everything and everyone knowing nothing can stop him. He moves with purpose and, and he has such a presence as James Bond. He has arrogance, especially with his name and, and also a vulnerability that this character needed in the way that he's written. He's written both as a, a force that's unstoppable, but also as an individual. And I love the way that it's all so new. On top of that, I love that they don't really care about the legacy of anything. It's everything in this film isn't just there because it's a James Bond movie and it's got to fit the genre and tropes that James Bond film has. It's They add those things that are there respectfully, but they're done so new. And I love it. Beyond the all invigoration given to the script, it's also just an exceptionally written story. It's just tight the way that it's all self-contained. There's a clear three-act structure, but it's also surprising. You think that the third act is something that it actually isn't, and then the actual third act is even more impressive that way. It works through this runtime perfectly, using every minute of it for actually something, and none of it is wasted. They all belong properly in a clear act, uh, and it's all written so well. On top of that, it's also just a story that I'd love to watch. It's Bond taking down an arms dealer through a high stakes $115 million poker game. Like how much more Bond can you get than him across the poker table from the villain playing for $115 million to keep it out of the hands of an arms dealer? Like the the seriousness of it, the Bondness of it comes across so well. I, I've never felt more tense in a card game. I, I don't even understand poker. I had to watch a video to understand how the poker game actually played out. Like, obviously, you know, you know, who's winning, they make it clear. And, and that's actually something. Let me take that statement back. The film makes it so clear that even if you don't understand poker, you know exactly what's going on. But I was interested in watching a video to know the complexities of poker. Anyway, side tangent there. It's just for something that I don't initially have great understanding of the film's ability to help me understand it and be in the intensity of it is so impressive. I love the play between the characters and just the tension throughout the entire thing, whether they're actually sitting down at a poker table or at drinks together or whatever it may be. The entire interaction around this $115 million that's so important is just fantastic. And all the events leading up to it, it's just wonderful. The other thing here that I really, really enjoyed about this film that I'll talk more about when we actually have spoilers is the sexuality that you originally associate with Bond is here, but it's not just objectification. It's something that was always kind of weird. I remember watching a Bond movie like as a kid, like really, really young. I remember we were at a hotel uh, with my family on in California on a vacation and James Bond was on TV. So we were watching it and then it got to one of you know, those, those steamy scenes between Bond and one of the Bond women. Like that's a term, Bond women. That's all you need to know. Um, and I remember my dad didn't let me and my brother watch it anymore. And so that is here. Like it's definitely that nature is there to the character of Bond, but it's not just something that feels like it's there just because like, oh, James Bond is a womanizer. Like it feels like something that is a genuine motivation of the character, both as a, you know, government spy killer, but also as an actual person. There's real chemistry between the people. There's real attraction, not just, you know, making out or, and all the other things that they get into. It adds weight and it makes it less 
of a pattern that I assume Bond has fallen into in all the other films. It makes it feel purposeful and intentional. They aren't worried about those legacies and tropes that I mentioned earlier. They don't care about the Martini, the Aston Martin, the Tux. They don't even care about James Bond's face. But it's also done so respectively. It's such a balance in something like this nature of a reboot and the scale of it and trying to make something new and yet not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And they have mastered that so well. And it's done just as good as I ever have could have imagined. And they also say that a Bond film is made up by its villain, that, that Bond is only as good as his villains. And Mad Mickelson is fantastic. He's amazing here. He's a fantastic villain. And also the way that he's not just like a flat out villain, you know, in a, you know, big black leather chair with a white cat on your lap, petting it maniacally. It's totally different. And, and he's threatening. But this film is also about James Bond. James Bond is the center of this film and becoming James Bond as we know him. Not just the events of becoming a double O and being 007. We get that in this fantastic black and white opening, but also what makes the character of James Bond the way he is. And I, and I love that idea and how it's examined. It's something actually that I think the music does exceptionally well. David Arnold, the composer, reserves the iconic James Bond theme for when it's really earned and lets the rest of the film be like a father to that theme. You really hear it in the music, something that would come before that, something that would eventually lead up to that great theme and how it plays through the entire film to when that theme is earned and played is just fantastic. And in another note about the music, it just matches the journey for Bond. There, there's violence in the playing of the music and not so much in the music. The music is simple and it's composed and it's leading towards that theme, but there's just a force in the playing that it adds to the swagger and the brute force of this character fantastically. There isn't much else I can say about the film, though, spoiler free. So that's the two cents. It's going to wrap up that segment and moving on to the others here that do have spoilers. So just know that before we get on to that, just a brief announcement. I just celebrated the two year anniversary of the Basin Binge in September, which is amazing that I've been doing this for two years. I'm grateful to everybody who's been listening. So in a small way that I wanted to give back, I'm having a giveaway. It was originally going to go until the end of September, but things were delayed. So it's now going until October 15th. If you leave a review on podchaser.com slash the Basin Binge, you will be entered to win one of two $10 movie gift cards, either to a movie theater of your choice or to like a video on demand streaming service uh, to rent movies, that type of thing. So linked in the show notes, podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Well, let's move on to the next segment here. Pick your poison, which is the rating scale here, the basement binge that was made up when we originally started it. So it's all based off on how would I interact with this film after watching it this time? Bottom of the list, worst ranking to never watch it again. That's straightforward. Above that to stream it. It's on a service I'm already paying for and I'm just looking for something to watch so I can watch it. Above that, rent it. In the right mood, I'd be willing to pay a few dollars and rent it. Top of the list, buy it. Full price, watch as many times as I can. And for me, without a doubt, this is a buy. I bought the Daniel Craig collection two years ago on Black Friday, I think. And I just have been saving it for the podcast, specifically for No Time to Die. So I've been waiting to get into these for a while, but I knew that I loving Skyfall and knowing what I had heard about Casino Royale, I was very excited for it. And now having watched it, this is one of those films that I would love to rewatch. I 
watched the Mission Impossible films earlier this year as an example to compare. And just immediately, a few months later, I was watching them again. And I know that this type of film is going to fit into that. I've been wanting to watch these for so long. There's been so many times I'm like, you know what? No Time to Die is just going to be delayed. I'm just going to watch it. And I'm glad I waited. It makes this podcast a ton of fun. But I know I'm going to be re-watching this film. So it is a buy. So that moves us on to our second to last segment here for this shorter episode, Lease and Likes. This is where I talk about my least favorite scene and my favorite scene. I'm going to be honest. I really took some time to think about it. I do not have a least favorite scene. There's genuinely not anything that I have a complaint about that I want to express. That doesn't mean that every single scene in the movie is my favorite. I just mean that there wasn't a moment where I had any type of complaint. As far as picking a favorite scene, that is so hard. I can mention the free running in the opening of the film that's done with, I apologize, I don't know his name, the guy who actually created free running being that guy who's running away from James Bond and how it tells the character of James Bond as he just crashes through stuff. The the poker game, the, the way the film ends, ah, there's so much, but if the, the, the scene that works so well for me is the cardiac arrest in the middle of a poker game, He's the big blind. He just chucks out his money and runs off to the car. He's, he's like dying, literally dying, trying to use a defibrillator on himself. And it's just the way that it shakes the camera, the focus of everything, the performance of Craig, it is fantastic. But also just the way that it, the writing of the villain and also Bond and the way he comes back and says, oh, that last time nearly killed me. Like, it's just fantastic the way that it works in the film, both is like, oh my gosh, that is totally something that James Bond would do. But also that's something that this grittier, more intense version of James Bond would do. But he's also the type of person who would come back with a great line after nearly, you know, actually dying and being brought back to life with a defibrillator. So fantastic film or fantastic scene there in the film that I just had to point out as my favorite. So that moves us on to our last segment here, Live Up. So this is where I would talk or I do talk about my expectations going into the film and was it able to live up to them. On top of that, I'm going to talk about my expectations going into the next film as these are all episodes happening in frequent uh, succession one after another. So to speak about Casino Royale, it gave me everything I never knew I wanted in a James Bond movie while also giving me everything I was hoping for. I've got a great villain, a relevant story, Bond being Bond, both as a person, but also as 007, the spy. There's fantastic stunts, the iconic music, twists and turns and outsmarts and setbacks and counterplay, everything that makes up for a great spy film, all within around this character that we all know. We all know who James Bond is. We know the tropes about James Bond, and they all play so well in such a well-contained, well-written story. And it has all of those things weaved through the entire story. For a while, I I really felt like I didn't totally understand what was going on because I felt like I was figuring it out with James Bond and it it works so well. And I love the way that when I said it gave me everything that I didn't know I wanted. I mean, they, they totally cheat and drug James Bond during a card game. Like they let him die. In an attempt to save himself, he has to use a defibrillator and he fails. Like it is a gripping, intense scene, but he fails. Uh, well, if it wasn't for Vesper, that'd be the end of the movie, you know? And that is just so new to my understanding of James Bond, even having not really un- seen the other films. It just adds so much 
invigoration to this story. On top of that, I love the romance through between Vesper and James Bond. That's why I said where I think the third act is not what it is. I, I thought the third act is when James loses the money and then buys back in with the CIA's money. I thought that was the start of the third act. And that this little romance that was going on was the epilogue type thing. But then it went on longer and longer and longer. And I got more and more nervous. I was tense during that entire epilogue, during that third act, because that's just not what works out for Bond. I mean, the the scene that I also could have mentioned as my favorite scene, that torture scene that is just so incredibly well performed by Daniel Craig, which again, when was the last time you saw James Bond tortured? Like not, that's not something that I necessarily wanted to sign up for, but the way that it works in this film and for this character is fantastic. And we get that moment of commitment to his, you know, queen and country, but also to this individual Vesper. And he totally falls in love with her completely, not just in a womanizing manner, but completely falls in love with her. And he gives her, to, to quote the film, all that is left of his soul. Anything that's left. His broken soul, he gives it to her. All that's left of it. And then she betrays him. And I love that they let the romance play out a little longer than I would have anticipated. I just knew it wasn't going to play out, but it just kept going on longer than I thought. And that loss, both the betrayal, but also the loss of his love all in such a short amount of time, quitting your loyalty to your country, falling in love, having that love betray you, losing that love in a, in a heart-wrenching moment, turns James Bond into who we know now. And his name is revealed, Bond, James Bond. And the theme comes in and it just punches so hard because at this point, he is Bond, James Bond. Bond. He's learned his lesson and his armor is back on and he trusts absolutely no one. And he's ready to be a gritty, intense, trained killer that this film was setting us up to see. It is amazing. So in Skyfall, he sees himself as a soulless killer. It's fantastic writing. What a fantastic ending to a story that just continued not just to be a restart to the world, but also to the character and our understanding of him and allowing him to have more emotion than I ever would have imagined in James Bond. I was worried that he was just going to be a caricature, but he's an actual individual. And it's a, a final introduction to this individual being something, being that caricature while also totally earning it in the way that it's driven by emotion. And Daniel Craig is what made this character what it is. He brought naivety and loyalty but also a sternness and a seriousness. And like I said, uh, just he was a force. And the way that he's written to be an orphan who eventually falls in love and learns what he is fighting for, that not only is he just fighting for queen and country for, but he's fighting for the individuals that have what he lost. While also understanding why he can't trust somebody in a position like his just fantastic writing, fantastic film. I'm just absolutely blown away by it. I, I really have nothing but high praise for Casino Royale. It was a blast. So what are my expectations going into Quantum of Solace? Uh, they're not as high as they are for Casino Royale. They're not low. I'm still expecting to enjoy it, not to be disappointed. 
but they're not as high as they were for Casino Royale. I don't, I don't have no idea what the story is. Uh, so I have no expectations for that, except for I know these films are actually like genuine sequels instead of just like a revisitation of the character in the world, like the other films kind of were, where one really leads into another. And so I'm excited for that and to see how it leads into Skyfall and of course, eventually into No Time to Die. But as far as like the film itself, I've got nothing besides it's not as good. It's the probably the weakest of the four films for Craig we have so far. So I'm excited for it nonetheless it probably isn't going to be as great as this and i'm aware of that and so i think it's going to allow it to be better because i'm not expecting it to be casino royale so i'm excited for it so subscribe to the basement binge for that episode coming out tomorrow very excited for that and also subscribe for the no time to die episode coming very very soon if you want you can also follow me on social media all of the links are in the show notes i really appreciate every single one of you being here for the first episode of the james bond week here at the basement binge I can't believe we're finally doing this. Like it, no time to die feels like the film I've been waiting for. Like, even though I'm not a huge James Bond fan, like I'm mainly waiting for Dune, but it, it, there's something about no time to die and, and how soon that film was delayed and that excitement coming back. Uh, I, I can't really describe it. I'm just excited. So thank you for being here. But once again, my name is Harrison. This is the basement binge and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao.